Hey, this is Jeff Benjamin, along with my good friend and colleague, Bruce Kelly, for another episode of The Investment News Podcast. We got a a few quick hits to unpack for you this week. Uh, We talked earlier this week about the election and the outcome for financial services. I'd like to first of all say hey to Bruce. How you doing up there in New York City? We are great, Jeff. Thank you very much. How's everything in North Carolina? Everything is great. It's raining like crazy here, so hopefully that'll pass uh, before the weekend. I guess that's the storm, right? That's the that's what it looks like on the map. We're getting walloped. We have a special guest for our first episode to talk about pro bono in financial services. After that, we're going to talk about a little bit of, uh, I guess, a financial advisor gotten a little bit of a pickle with his corporate credit card. And Bruce Kelly has an all analyst, the- An analyst. Oh, an analyst. Not an I'm sorry. Yeah, analyst. you know how those analysts roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce has all the dirty details on that one. But first of all, I want to welcome John Dauphiné, CEO of Foundation for Financial Planning. John, you sent out a letter, or uh, I guess you, you kind of had some cooperation putting out a big letter this week to talk about. I guess uh, requesting financial planners to take a more serious role in providing pro bono financial planning services. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Happy to. And and thanks for having me on the show. Really, this is a significant step forward for, uh, to advance pro bono financial planning and advice for underserved people. And the reason why is this is really 11 leading companies in the financial advisory space that have kind of joined hands and said, you know, we know, especially during the COVID pandemic, how important uh, delivering pro bono service people can be. Uh, A lot of people are hard hit financially by the pandemic. So it's sort of time to come together and really join hands and say, let's do more. Let's let's try to promote financial plan, pro bono financial planning. Tell me, tell me specifically about the letter that was sent out. I wrote about it earlier today, but I, I'd like to have it in your own words. How this came together, who's supporting it, and what you're actually calling for. Yeah, so absolutely. So this really came from members of our corporate advisory council, and that includes big names, just to name a few: Schwab, Pershing, Fidelity. BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, and others. And it's all about making a recommendation that the Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards get out there and say to CFP certificates, we recommend that you deliver about 25 hours a year in pro bono service. And it would be completely voluntary, so no requirements. But it's really the first time these companies have got together and said they support CFP board making a recommendation like that. But importantly, it's also a commitment on the part of these companies. And what they're saying is they're going to look at their own policies and practices and Mm -hmm. make sure that they can also help support and promote pro bono service among their own employees and their affiliated advisors. So it's both a recommendation, Jeff, and a commitment as well. So let me understand this. I think you said the letter went out to 10,000 CFP certificates, correct? Yeah, we sent it out to our subscribers, and we have about 10,000 advisors that subscribe to our newsletter. But we're also spreading the word on social and through our partners. So yeah, we're getting a lot of folks interested in engaging in this message. Right. I mean, I I saw the letter. There's some really big names on there. Walt Bettinger from Schwab, or I think Bernie Clark from Schwab, David Cantor from Fidelity. They're not really forcing people to do pro bono, but they're strongly encouraging it. Do you think that that's enough 
leverage to to increase? And I understand from talking to you that pro bono is already pretty popular among the financial planning ranks, right? Yeah, it is. And um, definitely nobody wants to force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. But if you look at the legal field as sort of an example, when the American Bar Association said to lawyers, we recommend you spend about 50 hours a year doing pro bono, and it's just a recommendation, that sent an important cue to the profession. And then a lot of the big law firms also said, you know, we're not going to think about this as an individual lawyer obligation. We're going to actually, as a firm, try to develop policies and practices that promote our attorneys being able to do more pro bono service. And as a result of those two things, pro bono really exploded in the legal field. And so what's meaningful here in financial advice is now you see some of the top corporate leaders saying, we're going to look at our own company's practices and really try to advance it. And we're also going to recommend that the major certification authority for financial planners also consider making a recommendation for pro bono service. Mm -hmm. And so we think that is really going to be an important cue to the profession, that this is part of what it means to be a CFP professional, and that it's really something that can elevate not just individual firms and not just individual practitioners, but in fact, the whole profession. Hey, John, this is Bruce. Just a couple of things here. First, tell us what the Foundation for Financial Planning actually does. Yeah, sure. So we make grants and we fund programs across the country that bring pro bono financial planning to underserved groups like domestic violence survivors, wounded veterans, and many others. We also try to recruit volunteers. And one of the things we're most excited about recently is our new platform. It's called probonoplannermatch.org. And if you're a CFP professional, you can register and then you can browse opportunities in your community or virtually oh. to give pro bono service. So that, yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I think financial advisors, you know, have been trying to compare themselves to other professions for years and trying to combat the notion that some people have that these guys are a bunch of Bernie Madoffs and the like, right? Yeah. Which obviously isn't true, but it comes in, it waxes and wanes, it comes and goes with the with the state of the economy and everyone's pocketbook, I believe. When you were just commenting on when the American Bar Association, I believe, made this recommendation. Yes. To do pro bono work or increase it or to codify it in some way. When was that exactly? Do you know? Yeah, that was way back when they first came out with that. I believe that was in the 80s. Oh, okay. So it was a while back. And then they launched a, a, a national pro bono challenge initiative in 1993. And that was to engage the big law firms more in pro right. bono. And so what you, you're, is the financial advice business lagging behind the legal profession? And if you're, you're saying these were these efforts and these pushes were made decades ago. By the legal profession? I wouldn't really say it's lagging behind because the legal profession is so old in this country and financial planning just turned 50 as a profession. So I would say instead of lagging behind, I would say we can learn from what's gone on in law and medicine in a pro bono context, and we can take the best of that and adapt it. So I think that's what we're doing today is we're trying to think about how do you raise the profile of this work 
And I think it tells a really important story because you pointed out that a lot of times the general public thinks of financial advisors as maybe somewhat shady or like Madoff, you know, because they're reading about that. Well, they're part of Wall Street and Wall Street has negative connotations to people, I think. It can. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the other side of the coin. Either the populism of the Trump voter or the the leftist leanings of a Democrat. You know, I think both sides of the American political spectrum distrust Wall Street still from the 2000 and 2008 crashes. There's there's lingering distrust. And I would say it's really important to get out the message about all the altruism and all of the public service through pro bono that advisors do. Absolutely. And we try to do a lot of that at the foundation. Even um, on our website, we've impact stories from all kinds of different types of planners and clients and, and organizations that we support. And, you know, you can't go through that and not be really blown away by all of the giving back uh, that goes on in financial advice. Yeah, I mean, advisors do a tremendous amount of pro bono planning work and just charitable work in their communities. I mean, absolutely. Just a tremendous amount. So, Well, John, you you said that CFP certificates do you said about two thirds of them do pro bono work now, and the average is about 31 hours a year among that category, correct? That seems yeah. a lot. Are you trying to get it to 100%? And do you think 31 hours is enough? I mean, obviously, you're, you're asking for less than that, but. Yeah, so that data came from a survey that was done by, of certificates by CFP board last summer. And I agree, we, it was very impressive to see. But yeah, what we're thinking is, since there's already a lot of pro bono activity going on, why not, rather than just track it every once in a while through surveys, make sort of a benchmark, you know, make a recommendation. And definitely, look, people are in different places in their practices and their family commitments. So not everyone's going to be able to do any given amount. But as a benchmark, we think it's something that people can shoot for. And it also is a nice way of showing the profession's commitment to helping others who normally couldn't access, you know, really good fiduciary planning and advice. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to point out that the letter that you sent out this week followed a letter that you sent out in September. Talk to me, talk to us about the distinction between the two letters. And I want to know what kind of an impact you had from the September letter, essentially calling for the same thing, but maybe not as specifically. Yeah, so that was in September of 2019, and that was actually one of the things we at the foundation try to do is is rally the profession, rally a lot of the top leaders. So in this latest statement that went out, obviously they were some of the top corporate leaders, and in this earlier statement in 2019, it was leaders in the nonprofits that are connected to financial advice, and that included the foundation along with CFP board, FPA, and NAPFA. And what we did is say, okay, we get that pro bono elevates the entire profession. And so we are going to collaborate more. We are going to collaborate on sharing data, gathering better data, on recognizing groups that are doing great things. So for example, we have a special award that we do with CFP board for the registered program that has great pro bono that involves students because we're really trying to get younger planners to think about this type of service early in their career. We also have one with FBA that recognizes a a top chapter that's doing this kind of work. And then also trying to create new volunteer opportunities. You know, we know there's like a pent up demand amongst a lot of advisors to give back. And so we're always trying to think about new partnerships and new ways that we can bring help to folks. And actually just today, I was doing some training 
on a new pilot we're doing for nurses that are financially struggling because of the COVID pandemic. So that's an example of a vulnerable group that we're stepping up to help. And then when you think about it, there's also a lot of CFP professionals who are retiring and they're going to make a great, rich talent pool to, to give back through pro bono. And so we're also talking to our partners about ways to keep them involved and engaged. And I think there's a lot of potential there. How do you get started? You said there's a pent-up demand to do pro bono. To me, that suggests that advisors that want to do this aren't able to figure out how. I mean, you can't just go door to door and say, hey, can I give you some free financial advice? Yeah, exactly. What what do you suggest (laughs) for people that are listening that might want to start providing some pro bono financial advice? Sure. So I have a couple of recommendations. One is take our free training. It's kind of like pro bono 101. If you've never done it before, it's a good introduction. And you can find that right on our website. And it's free. It takes about an hour and you get a CE credit if you're a CFP professional. The other thing is go on to probonoplannermatch.org and you can uh, fill out a profile and register. And then you can browse opportunities that nonprofits have posted there. Uh, And then we're kind of the matchmaker. And if you see something that interests you, and there's all kinds of different opportunities, you can uh, connect to that nonprofit and sign up. And of course, right now, a lot of that is virtual opportunities, but eventually we're hoping we can match you right in your community. And if you sign up, you'll also, we'll we'll ping you every couple of weeks as new things, new opportunities get posted. So that's another thing I would recommend. And then we also make direct grants to a lot of different organizations. And we do post those organizations on our website under our grants tab. So you can see who we're funding and often they will need additional volunteers. So that may be another way in. Finally, I would say if you're an FPA member, a lot of the chapters have pro bono programs and we do help support the uh, pro bono director at FPA's national offices. So we're involved in helping support and promote the pro bono work that FPA does as well. So lots of different ideas, but I would say that the, a really good uh, starting place is probonoplannermatch.org. Mm-hmm. What are the kinds of things that pro bono advice involves? I mean, most financial advisors, they're working with people that have a lot of money usually or, or money or they're, and your recommend or your suggestion is that the COVID pandemic has created more of a hardship on a lot of people. And I'm assuming you're talking about a lot of people kind of at the lower economic rungs. Are there yeah, different kinds people. of people? There can't be any more working people than nurses, you know? Are there I mean, different yeah. kinds of things that, that financial planners are going to have to be focused on or to know about when getting into the pro bono arena? Yeah, it's a great question. So it does vary somewhat by population. So for example, If you are volunteering to help domestic violence survivors, one of the things you're going to be looking at is how do you separate an individual from the finances of their spouse or partner so that that set of issues comes into play. If you're helping a a person with serious cancer, you may be looking at disability, you know, long-term care, loss of income, additional expenses. And and so again, you know, it's it's a different set of things. Um, And then also, if you're helping, for example, veterans, military, there are certain benefits that come into play there. Often our programs have social workers and staff that assist the the volunteer advisors so that they're a resource if the advisor isn't sure about some of these issues. But really, it depends on the population being served. One thing, though, and this, this is a really important point, most of these folks 
can't access an objective fiduciary advisor at all. So they value so much talking to somebody who has their best interests at heart, who they can trust, and who will give them the real scoop and not try to sell them anything, you know, not try to do lead generation. Um, and really, that's some of the power of this is it truly is somebody who they can confide in and trust and who will give them honest uh, and expert feedback. Mm -hmm. That's excellent stuff. Really good perspectives there and uh, good insights. Bruce, did you have anything else for John? No, I just think that's a, it's it, what a great initiative. And, uh, you know, you're reaching out to these big firms and I'm sure you're going to get a very positive response. Well, thank you guys very much. Again, appreciate the opportunity to be on and really appreciate you bringing some attention to this great work. All right. Thanks a lot, John. Keep up the good work. Thank, thank you, John. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay, that was good stuff with John talking about pro bono. And uh, what does that lead us into? I, I think, Bruce, you got something that you got an analyst that a uh, little bit of a ne'er-do-well got in a little bit too much trouble with the corporate credit card. What's What's that all about? Well, Jeff, we're going from pro bono to what I like to call as pole bono. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and diving into the world of what happens when you drop $21,000 of Bank of America's money Ouch. at a quote unquote adult entertainment establishment. We can just let our listeners' imaginations linger on that phrase. That mm -hmm. phrase is lifted from a FINRA, what you call a FINRA complaint against a registered person. This guy we're talking about who got in trouble for spending $21,000 on, on the corporate credit card, he was not a financial advisor. He was a analyst at Bank of America Merrill Lynch for several years. He was let go in 2019 after all this came to light. And when these things happen, FINRA in order to mark up your record as a registered analyst or a registered rep, brings a complaint against you and says, you broke industry rules, right? Mm -hmm. And what were the industry rules that this guy broke? First of all, his name is Paramveer Singh. He was a tech analyst for five or six years at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. And he spent a lot of money one night in late May. Wait, that was one night? One night. At the end of May, uh -huh. May 30th or something like that, 2019, at an adult entertainment, quote unquote, establishment, according to FINRA, here in New York City, New York, New York, the city so nice, they <laughs> named it twice. it twice. <laughs> and the charges, again, FINRA doesn't go into any of the details here because it's not what the guy spent the money on, what uh, Mr. Singh spent his money on. It's the fact that he used a corporate credit card to do so, and then allegedly lied about it to both Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, and to FINRA. So on May 30th, 2019, Mr. Singh, who we tried to get in contact with a couple of weeks ago and couldn't reach him, basically, couldn't find a phone number for him and couldn't reach out to him via LinkedIn because his LinkedIn page was, was blocked. He had eight charges of $807, $1,095, $2,139, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up to $4,200. Wow. Eight different charges. 
that buys a lot of Cristal, my friend. That's a lot you of know? entertainment right there. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the end, this is the kicker, okay? He was using his corporate card, and firms have really been much more aggressively disciplining not only stock analysts, but advisors, any registered person, right, for abusing the corporate credit card. This has been something that we've been writing about for several years. All the other trade publications have been writing about. And um, he, uh, from what, how I read the FINRA lawsuit, the complaint against this guy, Mr. Singh, when he was denied more charges on the card that evening at the club, at the club, mm-hmm. as the kids say, he called up the credit card company and said, why had his corporate card been denied? Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and remember, this is all recorded. All your, when you call into your credit card company, everything is recorded, right? Yeah. Then the next day, when he, I, it seems like when he realized what he had done, he, had, he called the credit card company again and said that his card had been stolen. Yeah. That's uh, that's probably what you got to do after something like that. Blame yes. it on somebody else. Yes. So he eventually wound up saying to FINRA, to, you know, and FINRA called him about it. He got dismissed by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. And then FINRA started its investigation because whenever someone is dismissed, FINRA always looks into it. He supposedly was not honest with FINRA, according to the complaint. And so it's just a big mess. For this guy, uh, unfortunately, and it's just a big warning sign. Just leave the corporate credit card at home, people. When you're gonna go out on the town, you know, just leave the leave the gold card or what? I don't even know what they have anymore. Platinum cards or whatever. So just leave it at home, Jeff. Yeah. Moral of the story: Don't spend more on your uh, adult entertainment than your car is worth. That's uh, excuse me. <laughs> It's usually what I go by. I mean, come I on. I don't own a car, car brother. I'm a New Yorker. Well, there you go. So your you your entertainment budget is low. Yes. Anyway, that that's an eye opener right there. Uh, a good lesson to uh, I don't know. Don't do stuff like that. Yeah, like I said, when you're going to go out on the town, leave the card at home, people. So Jeff, that was an interesting episode, like I said, from pro bono to poll bono. Yes. Concur. Just to wrap it up, that was another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We launch these podcasts every Monday, as the audience knows. We want to thank, of course, our very special guest, John Dauphiné, the CEO of the Foundation for Financial Planning. Of course, we also want to thank Stephen Lamb, our producer, You can find this podcast at investmentnews.com, at Apple, at Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Please leave us a review on Apple. If you've listened all the way through this, give us four or five stars, people. Come on. If you've listened all the way to this, follow us at Spotify. Click some buttons. We all like to click buttons. If you want to raise questions or topics, you can reach out to Jeff Benjamin on Twitter at Benji Writer and me on at DD News Guy. That's it for this week. We'll be talking to you real soon.